<laughs> cool. Hey, everyone. Um, it's good to see you guys. Um, yeah, Tam, Tam didn't think my graphic was that good either, so, <laughs> so I'll just stop doing that. <laughs> um, Aaron made this one, which is, yeah, yeah, this is, this is much better. Yeah. No, no, that's Aaron. <laughs> cool. Um, awesome. So we're going to keep, keep going this series we're in called The Way. Um, and the plan is actually we're going to keep doing this until we get to the 14th when we shift the service. And then, yeah, the kind of, we're, we're just shifting the time, but it's also an opportunity to kind of, I guess, not fully relaunch, but just say, hey, let's like come together and let's really intentionally start to build our community. And, um, and part of that is I'm going to do some teaching just into church as family, um, the importance even of eating together, spending time together, doing life together. That's, that's what church is really about. Not really just like walk in for an hour and leave, but that we actually do life together, we actually walk together. Um, and and we'll talk more about this later on, but the plan is that we get to a stage where actually everyone brings food each week and, and we do potluck each week. And we don't even have to go out to North Lakes and spend heaps of money. We don't have to have just two or three people cook, which is so much work, but actually we just get this habit of each week we just bring some food and we put it all together and we just eat and if that's like sounds really daunting, just we just buy a barbecue chicken every week, like like there's something like that. So so that's that's sort of the plan um, to try and cultivate a value of eating together and doing life together. So that's that's kind of where we're going, um, which which could be a really sustainable way to do that and really build community, which is awesome. So but we're staying here for now. So we're looking at the way. Um, Last week we had testimonies that was awesome, um, but we actually missed uh, at night a message in the Sermon on the Mount. So last week in the morning I preached on what Jesus says about oaths or, or telling the truth. Um, and it's on the podcast if you want to catch up. We probably will do that one at night sometime in the future, maybe towards the end of the year. We're kind of just jumping one paragraph in this Matthew's Gospel and then now we're going into retaliation. And, and just to really quickly recap where we're going, we're saying that Jesus has come to die for us so that we can be forgiven, but he's also come to show us a new way of life and give us the power to live that out. That actually his grace is not just grace that gets rid of our guilt, but it's his grace, it's his power that actually transforms us to walk in new life, to actually walk to become like him. So he actually goes through and says, what does this look like? And we're going to look at some verses tonight that particularly you've probably heard before and they're very challenging <laughs> and they're quite confusing and some people even think what Jesus is saying is just ridiculous. Um, so what I'm sharing with you tonight about retaliation, some of these verses, I had to do a lot of study this week to, to figure this out um, and I've landed somewhere and I'm just going to present where I've landed to you um, but I encourage you to discuss with each other, I encourage you to study this some more um, other people disagree and take this a little bit differently, and that's okay. Um, but we're going to sort of journey and, and walk through this together. Because these are, these are some very significant verses and, and things that Jesus says. Um, so we're looking at his teaching on retaliation. So I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to go right in, just look at the text and, and sort of pull it apart. So Lord, we just thank you that, that you are here, um, that you are present. Jesus, that you walked this earth and you said these words to crowds who heard you, that people wrote them down and we have them and we can hear them again. Um, they're not just words on a page, but it's your voice. And we just ask God that you would give us ears to hear your voice tonight. Um, would you help us to discern 
what you're saying, um, what is true, and your way, God, that's different but is full of freedom and life and peace. And just ask Jesus, would you speak to our hearts and transform them tonight? Just pray this in your name. Amen. Cool. So, retaliation. This is what Jesus says. Again, he's going, he talks about the old, and he's going to give his understanding, the deeper understanding. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. All right. So, in the Old Testament, right, if someone punched you in the arm, you have to punch them back. Basically, that's what it's saying. Not quite. If, some, if you got injured, right, if, if, if someone wronged you, if someone attacked you, the natural response is to attack back, right? Someone breaks your arm, I don't know, especially when you're like 2,000, 3,000 years ago, like tribes, like you want to kill their whole family or something like that. Like you retaliate, right? People retaliate and then it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets worse. This was actually a law that was actually, although it seems kind of brutal, this is, this is what it says in Leviticus. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. Again, it says this in Exodus. If there's serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. You get the idea, right? What the point is, is that the retaliation should be equal. Because our natural response when someone hurts us is to want justice. But the justice normally goes beyond so this was actually quite a revolutionary command, even though it seems brutal. It actually, the point of it was to limit the amount that someone could retaliate and actually to have equality and actually to have justice. So if someone broke your arm or stole your plow or something like that, like you can't go and do something worse because then that just gets worse and worse. It actually limits it. And this, this right is pretty ingrained. Um, even in kids, like you talk to them, you talk to two kids that are having a fight, the first thing someone says, he hit me first. So I hit him back. And it's like that to them is perfectly just, right? There's this fairness, there's this equality. But the truth is, this doesn't really work out that well often, right? Like, like you can imagine this, like foot for foot. Like someone's foot accidentally gets broken, so I get to break your foot. Like, and now we're good. Like, like, probably not, like, right? It's not like, okay, good, you broke my foot, now we're, now we're even. Like, like, that probably doesn't really work out that well. Like, this was a legal limiting of, of, of retaliation, which was good, but something more than this is required, right? Just, just fighting back, just having equal justice in this sort of sense doesn't really get to the heart of what's needed because cause often we, it often doesn't work, right? Often we go beyond it. And often it still doesn't actually deal with the issues and the relational breakdown with people. So Jesus takes this a different way. Jesus says something that seems quite extreme. He's, he's looking at this justice, this equality, this, this retaliation, and then he gets to the heart and he says this, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now this is very different. Right? This was fair. If someone hits, you have to hit them back. Jesus says, don't resist an evil person. Now, there's some translation um, debates around this even. Again, this verse is hard to, to understand. Jesus is not saying we're not to resist evil because there's times when we do resist evil. There's times when Jesus even says, um, if someone's in sin, go and tell them, go and confront them. So there is a time to do that. 
But so it's in the context of this retaliation. Jesus says, someone hurts you, tries to injure you, comes against you, don't resist them. Another translation that, that can help this make a bit more sense, this is good news. He, he says, but I tell you, do not take revenge on someone who wrongs you. If they're standing against you, don't go against them. Or this guy, Bruno, says, do not ever try to get even with the evil one. So saying someone is doing something evil to you, the natural response is to fight back. The natural response is to want justice, to want fairness, to want to get even. Jesus is saying, don't. Don't resist the evil person. This is very, very different. Then he goes on to give some examples that you've probably heard before, um, some famous verses. And again, people can go wrong with these because if we take these to be laws, that Jesus is saying you have to do this in every situation, it just doesn't really make sense. It's just very complicated. What he's doing is he's giving examples of this, of illustrations of what does it look like to have a heart that's not the heart of tit for tat, you did this, I get to do this, but the heart that's different, the heart of the kingdom, the heart of Jesus. And he gives four examples. I'm going to give you these four examples, go through these verses. Understanding some of the, the cultural context makes them make more sense as well. So you've probably heard this before. This is Jesus' teaching. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. So you might have, you might have heard that before. Most likely, this is actually not primarily or, or really directly talking about physical attack. Even though this is a physical attack, to slap someone on the cheek in that culture was incredibly insulting. It's a direct insult that dishonors them, says they're inferior. It's, it, they're not worthy of, of being punched, they're, being, they're slapped. So I don't think Jesus is, is, is here particularly talking about someone physically attacking you or like, like trying to beat you, just let them beat you. Like this is primarily talking about an insult to your honor. And what's the natural thing to do when someone insults you? Most of the time, probably insult them back, fight back. Or at least defend yourself. Or at least, if not defend yourself, but just like get out of there, just run away. But Jesus says, no, turn the other cheek. He's saying, actually, stay open and stay vulnerable to someone who's personally attacking you. Again, he doesn't say to turn other people's cheek. Like someone's personally attacking someone else, we stand up for them. This is talking about personal injury, personal insult. What do we do? He says, this new kingdom heart is not eye for eye. It's actually stay open and vulnerable to the person. He then gives this. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. So again, someone's coming against you using the law and probably unjust. Again, this is an evil person that's coming against you. They probably not, it's probably not just, right? And the interesting thing, is two, two interesting things. Back then, there's a good chance most people only had these two items of clothes. So they had a shirt or kind of like their undergarment, and then they had a coat, which was this big coat that they would actually use to sleep as like a blanket at night. And there's actually laws in the Old Testament that if you had to give your coat to somebody, say you owed them money and that's the only thing you had to pay, they had to give it back to you at night time so that you could have something warm to sleep with. It's actually like a, a social justice, God defending the poor. Actually, they, they should not have that deprived of them. People have a right to, to warmth to sleep with. But Jesus says here, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. 
which potentially means that you're naked, that's, that's all the clothes you have, and you don't ever legally have to do that, you're going beyond what the law says. He's saying if someone comes against you with the law, actually go beyond what the law says, even if it means you have to go naked rather than fight back, rather than retaliate. Actually move towards this person in generosity, even though they're wronging you. Again, this is not a law, this is an illustration. I don't think Jesus is saying that we never ever use legal rights, but it's getting to the heart of what he's saying. Then there's this one, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Again, the context of this is really interesting. Jesus is speaking to Jews, and the Jews are under the occupation of the Romans. So Roman soldiers are around all the time. They're the occupying um, country, nation. And, and basically, right, a Jew, Jew could just be going about their business for the day. They could be walking to their job. They could be having a picnic with their family. And a Roman soldier's carrying a bag, and he's tired. He can just say to them, hey, you, carry my bag. But there was a law that said he could only request it for one mile. He couldn't be all day. But still, that's a, that's a fair way to go, right? Like you're in the middle of something, and all of a sudden now you have to pick up this heavy pack and carry this bag, and it just reminds you that you're not really free, that you're under the occupation of, it, of, of Romans, right? And you can imagine people would hate to do this. But Jesus says... If anyone forces you to go one mile, so there's an obligation that you have to do that, that they can force you to do that, go beyond what they can force you to do. Actually, don't just assert what you legally are required to do, but go beyond that. Actually serve generously. Actually care for this person who's in some ways oppressing or exploiting you. Actually don't, don't retaliate, but move beyond that and actually serve generously. And then the last... Example, give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Again, potentially this is talking about someone, again, exploiting someone because it's, again, it's an evil person. Don't resist an evil person. Someone who may be t trying to take advantage of you. And the, the natural thing to do is, right, to give to friends, to give to people um, that we, we know, that have some claim on our lives. But Jesus is saying, give to people just because they ask, not because they have some prior claim, and they may even be taking advantage. Now, again, this is not a law all the time, you have to do this exactly, because that means someone here is probably going to come up and say, hey Tim, can I have your wallet? Jesus says, give to one who asks, and I'm asking. Like, like that's not the point Jesus is making, right? Because sometimes to give to someone is actually not, doesn't benefit them. Sometimes the best thing that we can do for someone is actually not give to them. It actually doesn't help them. But it's this heart to actually want what's good for them, to actually care for them, even though their heart may be to take advantage. So we're just going to summarize these um, and say, these are the four examples I think Jesus is giving and our natural responses, right? Natural response when someone comes against us and insults us is defend our honor. Natural response when someone attacks us legally, assert our legal rights. Natural response when we're forced to do something, serve the bare minimum. And when people ask for things, we give to friends and family. But Jesus is saying, in the kingdom, we live differently. We have a different heart, even towards people who are doing evil to us. He says the kingdom response when we're insulted is actually to remain vulnerable. When people come against us with the law, is actually let go of our rights and bless that person. When we're forced or needing to serve, we serve beyond 
what is required and give simply because people ask. Dallas Willard, who sort of based a lot of this on, he summarizes it like this. He says, within the human order, the presumption, so human thinking, is that we will return harm for harm, right? The old. Someone does this, we get them back. Resist evil. That you only do what legal force requires you to do. We do the bare minimum. And you only go, give to those who have some prior claim on you. Those who are family or those who have done you a favor. You owe someone, so you give to them. The presumption is precisely reversed. So we flip this once we stand in the kingdom. There the presumption is, I will return good for evil and resist only for compelling reasons. That I will do more than I strictly must in order to help others and that I will give to people merely because they've asked me for something they need. That this, Jesus, this way of Jesus is to flip this. That we don't assert our rights anymore. The way of Jesus is to let go of retaliating, of asserting personal rights, and instead overcome evil with good. When someone comes against, and again, I think when Jesus is talking about this, he's primarily talking about personal right. So this is not saying we don't stand up for the rights of the oppressed, or when people are oppressing us, we stand up for them, just like Jesus did. But when someone comes against us personally, we don't retaliate, don't assert our rights. Instead, we let them go and overcome evil with good. Some of the other verses in the New Testament sort of back this up. So the apostles, followers of Jesus said this again in different ways. I'm just going to read you a few of them. Um, this is in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's the thing, right? Like the kids at school who, who he hit me so I hit him. It's like fair in some ways, but hitting him is still evil, right? Like like, this person gossiped about me, so I gossiped about them. Like, gossip is still evil. Like, it's still returning evil for evil, whether they did it first or not. He says, be careful, do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. First Thessalonians 5, make sure no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And last one, First Peter 3, do not repay evil for evil, or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. Actually bless those who seek to do evil. And man, right, this is hard. This goes against our natural inclinations. This probably as well brings up a whole lot of questions, like what about this, what about this? And I'm not really going to go into answering questions. I encourage you to ask them though and, and think through them and discuss them with each other. What is Jesus really saying? How do we live it out? But I just want to give you three kind of reasons why I think this is worth taking seriously and why this, even though this seems crazy and different, is actually really good. That Jesus' way is good, Jesus' way is right, and Jesus' way is life. And what might it look like to actually live this way, especially right in a, in a culture where we're so used to knowing what our rights are we're encouraged all the time to stand on our rights, to assert our rights, to defend our rights, to, to live. We know what it belongs to us and we can protect it and we fight for it. Like, what would it look like to let go of that and live this different way? I think the first, one of the first benefits of this is that there's actually a freedom to love people, to love people who even hurt us and come against us. Now, when someone personally attacks you, right, when someone comes against you personally, it's very easy for that person 
to consume your whole world then and you just react to them. You're just so aware of them and, and you're aware of the injustice. And, and Jesus, again, is not saying that there's not an injustice. He's saying that the person is, is doing evil. There's an injustice. But it's easy then to get consumed with that. It's easy to want to defend rights. It's easy to want to get back. They, they need to know what they've done. Like, like I need to, to protect myself. And, and again, we need to work out what's appropriate. There may be appropriate times to, to actually take steps to get out of a situation, especially if it's abusive. Um, and, and this is, again, it's not war, but working out the heart. But what would it look like to actually let go of all the energy that goes into defending ourselves, particularly our honour, particularly what people think of us. What would it look like to let that go and actually no longer react to people when they hurt us, but actually say, no matter how you hurt me, I'm going to love you. Actually, your behaviour does not dictate whether I love you or not at all. And I'm actually free just to love. There's actually a freedom that I don't have to react, I don't have to respond, I don't have to control, but can actually just love and be vulnerable. And therefore that, that issue does not have to become consuming because there's this big picture of God and his kingdom and what he's doing. And actually we can just let it go and actually choose to love. Dallas Willard puts it like this. We can be vulnerable because we are, in the end, simply invulnerable. That actually when we think about it, if someone attacks our honour, it doesn't really matter in the big picture. We, we belong to Jesus, we're secure in him. He will defend us, he will protect us. No one can separate us from his love. If someone even abuses our stuff, it's actually God's stuff anyway. And he's given it to us and he's our provider and he's our protector. And actually he's, he's working all things. He's, in all things he's working for our good and he will protect us and ultimately we are safe. And again, he's not saying this wouldn't hurt or being vulnerable is not difficult. But ultimately, we're invulnerable. And ultimately, other verses in Romans say, God will bring justice. God will deal with people. We can actually let go of that and just be free to love. There's also another benefit of this, and it's the opportunity to surprise. To actually surprise people in the way we respond. And then even potentially disarm them. That actually, when, when people are expecting that that the natural response, right? Like when you're attacked, the natural response is to attack back. And often when, when someone's attacking you, they're kind of even fueled by your anger and reactivity. And actually when, when, when we do choose not to react, it's actually surprise and just let it go or love or bless. It can actually surprise people and disarm people. Bruno says it like this, Jesus commands neither fight nor flight but a third way. Stay right there and do something surprising. This was, um, some of you guys know this, might know the story in Les Mis, um, the, the, the story, it's just a fictional story, but it's about this, this convict who's named Jean Valjean, and he ends up staying at this bishop's house, and um, the bishop just cares for him for a little while, but then he steals from the bishop, he steals um, some silverware, and takes it, right. And the police catch him, and bring him back. And you can imagine the police are happy. They've caught this thief. You can imagine Jean Valjean's scared what's going to happen. He's been caught and now he's going back to this bishop who's already showed him kindness. And he has to realize that he's stolen from him. When he gets to the bishop and the bishop says to the police, oh, thank you so much for coming back. 
you, you forgot the candlesticks. Here you go. I gave you the silverware, and now here's the candlesticks. Off you go. That's a surprising response, right? Of he could have had justice for being robbed, but instead chooses to bless. And in this story, this man is transformed by this grace and just comes to God. And again, that may not always happen, but there's potential, there's an opportunity to surprise in that way. I'm going to show you this little video we've got there um, in a sec. Toby found this this morning after, um, after hearing this message this morning. This is only like one minute video of this man who um, murdered a crazy number of people, something like 48 women or something like that, and, and has pleaded guilty and he, he is fully open that he's guilty and he's done it. Um, he's going to jail for life and he's in this trial and multiple people are just attacking him and, and just saying how much they hate him. And then right at the end, someone gives a surprising response and it's the thing that breaks this guy. Um, maybe if you guys are ready, we can show that. It's just one minute. So yeah, this, that guy, like literally just so many people just hammering him again and again, just like emotionless. And then this guy says, you're forgiven and he breaks down. It's this, this surprising response that may disarm people, that may break in, that may actually transform, that may actually shift. So, so Jesus, Jesus' way leads, leads to a surprising opportunity, opportunity to surprise. And lastly, though this is difficult, another reason to follow this and to live in this is actually that this is just the way Jesus calls us to live. There's a call to follow him, that he lived this, that Jesus put this into practice, and that this is even the way that he has responded to us when we have done evil to him. This is First Peter 2. To this you were called. This is in the context of unjust suffering. This is, this is crazy. Jesus says to these people, you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. This is saying Jesus did absolutely nothing at all to deserve the suffering he experienced. Yet he suffered. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So we may die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This is really what the cross is saying. We deserved evil for what we have done. But Jesus took it on himself and was wounded in our place. Jesus could have retaliated, but instead he bore it. He held it and he suffered. Like it hurt. Again, this is not an easy teaching. This is not a teaching that says it doesn't hurt. It, it, this is a teaching that says this is suffering, right? But this suffering is actually the way that Jesus has lived for us. That there's this verse that says God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we had done evil to him, but he repaid us back with good. And the evil that we've done to him, he bore it himself. He carried it himself. The people who are attacking him, he loves them and dies for them. And this, again, you may be thinking, this is just impossible. Like, I cannot do that. And that's, in some sense, true, right? Like, we can't. And that's the whole point, is that Jesus has died for us, 
But now he lives in us and empowers us and by his presence, the one who has already done this, lives in us and gives us the power to live this way as well, to shape our hearts. Again, it's not that we try really hard to do it, but he shapes us to become people who live this out, that we walk this way. Um, N.T. Wright says it like this, impossible. Is this impossible? Well, yes, at one level. But again, Jesus' teaching isn't just good advice. It's good news. Jesus did it all himself and opened up a new way of being human so that all who follow him can discover it. When they mocked him, he didn't respond. When they challenged him, he told quizzical, sometimes humorous stories, forced them to think differently. When they struck him, he took the pain. When they put the worst bit of Roman equipment on his back, the heavy cross piece on which he would be killed, he carried it out of the city to the place of his own execution. When they nailed him to the cross, he prayed for them. This is what Jesus is like. This is what God is like. The, the, the holy God of love and grace and true life. And he calls us to enter into that life. And it's actually the life of God, the life of Jesus, the life of freedom. Not free from suffering, right? There will be suffering, but there's life. And there's, there's, there's peace, there's joy in the midst of that. And as we finish up tonight, we're going to respond in a second by having communion, which, which is just so relevant, just, just to picture again that Jesus has repaid us good for evil. He didn't retaliate. He didn't assert his rights, but he let, let go of all. He had the rights of heaven, and he let them go and came to earth and went to the cross. And we are called to follow him, to not retaliate when people personally attack us with evil, to not assert our rights, but to overcome evil with good. So as we do that tonight, we, we want to center on that cross and what he's done for us, that we're called to treat others in the same way. But just to sort of center this and just make this really practical, just as a, as a response tonight, maybe just now there may be somebody where this is just really relevant for you. There's a situation right now, perhaps, where, where you've been personally wronged and attacked. Maybe it's even ongoing. And, and in yourself, there's this deep desire to retaliate, to, to fight back, to seek justice, to seek eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Or maybe even just to defend them, or maybe even just to reject them and just, just be done, I'm done, I'm just going to walk away. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe you're in that situation, I just encourage you to just bring that person before God tonight and just, just hold that and just feel it. Feel, feel even that, again, if they're treating you with evil, it's, it's unjust. It's okay to feel that. But then take that to the cross and look at what Jesus has done for us and look at what he did for us and what he did for them. And by God's grace, Seek to release that person to God. Ask him, give your heart to actually bless them, to love them. People who come against us, the natural thing, right, is to go against them or to run away. What Jesus is saying, people come against us, we move toward them. We bless them. We love them. And I'm just going to pray in a second. Maybe if you've got somebody like that, and you may even like hold your hand, just, you can just feel this anger this injustice, let's encourage you to, in faith, bring them before God 
and then slowly open your hand and just release them and release this. The freedom to love them, the opportunity to surprise them, the ability to follow Jesus and represent him in this situation. So I'm going to pray. Then you can just do that in your own time and then, then we'll come and take communion and sing some more. Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you that you are a God who is so good and you're so good, Lord, that you would even die for sinners. Jesus, that you literally prayed for the people who were crucifying you, that we have done evil and you've given us good. More than that, you've made us your children and adopted us. And you call us to walk in this way. And we just ask for your power and for your grace. Lord, even as Josh prayed before, would we be a community um, of this kind of love, God? A community free from retaliation. A community where we bless each other and just break down the bondage and the barriers that come up because of injustice and evil. Lord, would they all be overcome with good? God, we just ask that you would transform our hearts in this way. Jesus, give us faith. And just right now in this situation, Father, just that the people um, that are on our hearts where this is a real issue, we just ask for your grace and your power um, and your presence in us, Jesus, to release them, to bless them, to love them. And we just say we need your help. Um, but would you do this work in us? Make us like you in this way. Uh, so we just pray this in your name. Amen.